0: Sometimes recruiting and project work can be a bit of a lonely a lonely task, retro process. At the end, that sort of reflection process at the end of a sprint is so powerful. It starts to really strengthen that feedback culture within your team, flattening flattening out the hierarchy, what's slowing us down, what's speeding us up, what are some of the problems we need to fix. Almost immediately you'll see things that you need to put into your roadmap because the team will tell you this is broken. But kind of the other challenge is really educating people at the beginning you do need to invest invest time in what you want to achieve you don't really need a tool to kind of drive any of those behaviors at all hello james how's it going welcome to hanging on cylinders yeah
1: hey chris hayden good good so we are um, we're talking about something that we haven't touched upon with anyone at this point and but i've heard about it's one of these mysterious things that i've heard a lot of talent leaders and people talk about using you know, in their organizations, but never actually got to speak to someone in detail about it. So I'm really excited about talking about this with you. And, and it's about kind of using Agile within your talent acquisition teams and, and within kind of recruiting practices as a whole. And I know that you've had some really great experience um, with it and a lot of success. So I thought we could, we could jump in today, um, but maybe start by kind of how you stumbled upon you know Agile
0: and your first Kind of step using it. Yeah, I mean, I should, I should make a massive caveat at the beginning. I'm not I'm not an expert. My uh, <laughs> the the expert in my team, a lady called Ali, kind of refers to me as waterfall mantle. So my natural tendency <laughs> is to is to kind of operate in that way. And she's worked really hard at changing my behaviours. um But our our introduction to it and how we've been using it is essentially to 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 make our ways of. Operating as a team in terms of our project, in terms of our delivery, more consistent. But also, we've seen some real improvements around uh, the team's development, around their like their mental health, and actually kind of the quality of feedback that we're getting within the environment. So it's kind of added, started to add a lot of value to the team. And I think I wouldn't have I wouldn't have got exposed to it. I don't think without working with a lady called Ali Mitchell. So when I started working with her at Huddle, I wasn't aware that she was a qualified Scrum Master, and she brought that qualification over with her, and we incorporated incorporated it into the ta team there at huddle which was great and actually now we, we both work at muse and actually we've actually rolled out across the whole people function which is really innate enabled us to see the impact of that at scale which has been really exciting awesome so when you were at
1: huddle um was it just kind of you were doing something it wasn't quite working and you wanted to try something new like what was the kind of inspiration point where you felt like okay let's let's give agile ago was it Ali recommended it was it you kind of looking for something
0: new like what was that point for you yeah it was th- things just weren't things just weren't working from it was just before COVID and it, the the team we had there was was exceptionally um uh it was was exceptionally strong team in terms of recruiting delivery and um, I think it's a team of about eight of us that were doing sort of 400 plus hires a year um projects were um always an afterthought and actually they were always pushed, pushed further and further back in our backlog. Um, my mindset as a, as a recruiting leader was just really reactive. I wasn't thinking about what we needed to achieve because our team was so focused on delivery and I think consequently our our team was always in the red zone in terms of being close to burnout and stuff like that and that really was sort of nagging me in my ear like there's a better way, there's a better way, there's a better way and actually once we started talking about it I realized that aspiration I mean, I I played a lot of sports in my youth I've got bad knees now but I have always, <laughs> always like sort of flat organizational structures environments where people have a lot of ownership and actually we kind of we recognized that there were some some things that we could quick quickly put in place that would improve how we were working so a better better idea of the the backlog of projects we needed to work on periods of reflection understanding the team's capacity and making commitments for that period of time that actually started to make fairly um, fairly significant improvements to how we were working as a team pretty quickly um, and then actually there's been some really impactful longer term uh, uh, impacts to actually the people in the team some of them actually some of those recruiters have actually become scrum masters now actually which has been a really really nice outcome
1: nice and so what it sounds like you were getting you know pulled in different directions you weren't necessarily prioritizing stuff that was important and this allowed you to do that. Um, so when Ali came to you and you finally was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try this agile, and it seems to make a lot of sense. Was there like a a way that you kickstarted this? Did you use it as a trial with certain teams? Is how how did you start the process of like rolling this out in your team? Is there something you started with first?
0: Yeah, so we had to we had to get a clear understanding of what we needed to achieve. So we, we looked at it across our recruiting, kind of our core work, and then our kind of our project work at the same time. Um, so we had to get a clear understanding of what we needed to deliver in essentially in both parts, and so needed uh, a backlog of, of of the work we needed to achieve. Um, and then we wanted to decide. Then we decided to look at how much time we wanted to break our work into. So things are like called sprints. We started with one week sprints, but that was too short term. The team was just constantly just going into pure delivery mode all the time. There wasn't enough time for research. So we decided to go to two week sprints, which which was kind of the right cadence for us. And then we had to educate the team around some of the ceremonies. So things like backlog refinement, like educating the team on the future work, what we need to deliver, really scrutinizing the work that we're about to pull in. Do we have the capacity to do that? And then doing the sprint planning, which is right. We understand our capacity in the coming sprint. This is the work that we're going to pull down. Um. So that was the kind of the preparation is like, Bringing those behaviours, bringing that discipline and that way of working into our into our into our cadence, essentially, there were some skills we had to learn. So, and we were terrible at things like at, at sizing work at the beginning. <laughs> we and we couldn't really predict our capacity. So, some of our commitments in the first sort of probably quarter, the first sort of three or four months, will kind of way off. But as you get better at understanding what your capacity as a team, what impacts it. Actually, we got pretty strong at pulling down the right amount of work in each sprint to deliver and how long did it take you do you think to
1: get to that point where you felt pretty accurately you know getting capacity nailed
0: um yeah, I think we were way way off in the first kind of three or four months um, If you think each of those is a two week sprint there's there's quite a lot of opportunities for learning uh, and we did we did retros at the end of the sprint as well to kind of seek improvement, so it took. I would say half a year for us to get to a point where we were consistent consistently meeting capacity, sorry, consistently meeting our commitments each time. Um but things would always change, like in terms of the in terms of kind of if we had a huge project, suddenly we would be learning, right, okay, we can't pull down projects of this size into our two week sprints. Actually you need to like learn at that point to break things down even even smaller. So we'd lend into epics and things like that, which was which is another kind of stage of learning for the team. Awesome. I think the this, this sprint idea is really interesting to me because
1: I think what you see in organizations is they just get, they take on work and more work and they end up doing a lot, but not finishing a lot, right? Like it's, it's, that seems to be like, you know, there's lots of this stuff happening and lots of work happening, but with these sprints, would it be, like, okay, we're working on how How would that work? It wouldn't be finishing a project in two weeks, would it? Or would it be a certain part of a project? Like, how did that work for you guys?
0: Yeah, so we... Yeah, you're exactly right. You can't, if you're doing a project around, uh, I don't know, building out structured hiring for one of your departments, there's no way that you can deliver that within a two-week period. But what you need to do is say, right, this is the work that we need to deliver. And it's an epic, so it's a huge a huge piece of work. You then need to break that down into small increments that you can deliver in a two-week in a two-week sprint what the what my reflection is as a as a recruiter is that as as a recruiter core work will always be your priority and if you still think of that project as a huge epic as soon as recruiting spikes you just push that whole thing back, and it's a really cumbersome beast to then start again but actually if the thing that you need to get started again after recruiting a spike is just that Two-week piece of work. It allows you to kind of break it down bit by bit by bit, and that's where the kind of that backlog refinement and that sprint planning piece is is is, is really adds a lot of value because you're just chipping off bits of bits of that work at a time, and it and it's a, it's a tremendously um, empowering thing for the team to say right after two weeks we've delivered that one piece of work we've shipped it we've got feedback from our users. Right, let's bring down the next thing, and it just becomes this like like this conveyor belt of shipping smaller pieces of work. Are are your team like running these sprints in
1: unison, so everyone's got the same two week cycle, um, or are people like you know off?
0: They, they were, um, so yeah, certainly at, at Huddle they were, and at, and now at Muse, um, here at Muse we tend to do things on a month long sprint, and the whole people function is on that month long sprint, and it kind of starts with. Backlog refinement and the sprint planning, which which, we, which we've actually done today, because it's the first of the month, and then that culminates with the end of the month with the sprint review. So we hold a public uh, meeting internally with the business to actually showcase the work we've done. So everyone needs to be on that same same cadence of uh, of delivery. Like this is what we're committing to, and that's the end of the sprint. Super. Good. I mean, uh, loads of questions because go- we're going through this planning process,
1: and I think everyone's going through it. So it's like raising tons of yeah. questions, and like, get get me excited. Is- do you feed like OKRs okay, into this, like at the top, and and break them down via the, the sprints? Like, where do the top line goals come from that you're putting into, you know, yeah. using agile to deliver on?
0: It's, it's a really, it's a really interesting thing because the some of the we've kind of originally gone for kind of quite prescriptive goals. So this is our learning. So if I can give you some context, yeah, we at Muse we. About eighteen months ago, we moved to these five um, five pillars. So, an example of one is empower the managers. One uh, rewards that motivate and differentiate. And actually, we had quite prescriptive goals at the top of those uh, pillars at the start, and it didn't allow a huge amount of creativity for the team to kind of go off and do research and and and. Um, finding new ways of working because they were always just focused on reaching that one point, which was potentially a a KR, quite a prescriptive goal. And um, we didn't have a CPO last year. A lady called Naomi Tricky joined in January this year who's made a tremendous impact. And she's really challenged us around asking broader uh, problem statements and actually setting questions of, like, how do we empower our managers more? How do we create a higher, higher quality of hire? And that means that actually that work never ends it's always, you're always going to that point where there's ways to improve the quality of hire. There's always ways to educate the managers. And that means they're ongoing work rather than a, a KR, which has a, obviously a finite time and a, yeah. a destination that you're going to hit. That's awesome. So you have these kind of big
1: goals that you can always improve that you're constantly working on throughout the year. Um, and I guess you're sure at the end you show how you've improved those pillars. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And, You know, I guess from where you started, you know, back at Huddle to where you are now, I'm guessing there's like a huge difference in evolution. Um, What would you say is the kind of big changes from when you started to now, if you were to kind of summarize those?
0: Yeah, I mean, if I think of where we were, if back with my waterfall hat on, (laughs) I think really decision making and project leadership really just sat maybe within one or two people within the team. And I think that's that's such a drawback to kind of the to to not only to the team's develop but team's development but also to to the people that are solving the problem should be the ones that are kind of doing the work themselves but actually also to the to the amount that you can actually ship. Um, so the change now is I, I I'm actually astounded at the development of our sort of junior to mid level ICs because we've got a really clear process for working on projects. Like they go through this yeah. process and actually they're given the autonomy to work on these kind of smaller increments and deliver them at pace. So we've seen some of our our junior ICs really lean into things like D E and I and set up ERGs and really grow very, very quickly, which is which has been incredible. Um, one of the other learnings is we haven't really touched it, but that retro process at the end, that sort of reflection process at the end of a sprint is so powerful because you start to spot areas for improvement, but it starts to really strengthen that feedback culture within your team, flattening flattening out the hierarchy. And so you can build um, really powerful, uh, quite outspoken ICs that really want to challenge things, really want to make improvements, which I think is always healthy for, for a team environment. Um, And I I think actually the buy-in from the business, like once we're holding our work out for, once we're being vulnerable and we're holding our work out in a sprint review, things aren't just appearing on an intranet. They're just not lobbed over the fence from HR actually. We've got feedback maybe potentially at the end of each of our sprints to say, is this going in the right direction? This is aligned with what you needed. And actually our work is improved. The output of our work is actually improved because we're putting in those regular touch points. So it's kind of touching in a kind of a, like it's improving massively i think the teams are generally healthy uh, as well
1: talentful provides flexible recruiting solutions to the world's most ambitious companies are you thinking about ways to add flexibility to your talent function with recent market volatility and hiring set to return to growth mode in the near future there's never been a better time to choose the right partner to help you scale Talentful's embedded sourcing, recruiting, coordination, and talent advisory services have been trusted by the world's leading brands. Companies such as Atlassian, Microsoft, Expedia, Pinterest, Waymo, and more. Whether you're hiring across engineering, go-to-market, or G&A, Talentful has got you covered. To find out how Talentful can help you, visit talentful.com. So cool. I mean, the psychology of it is re- also really interesting. It's almost like any goal, big, like scary goal. Breaking it down is always more beneficial, right? And like, I like just like going to the gym. If you set yourself small targets, you know, it's, you're more likely to feel like you're winning and actually improving. And it, people like finishing stuff and being like, "I've done this," you know. And if you can create those moments every two weeks versus you know every quarter or whatever, it, it must keep. It must feel like there's a lot of momentum happening. I guess. It does.
0: You definitely notice that you develop this like herd mentality. I agree with the smaller steps, but also sometimes recruiting and project work can be a bit of a lonely, a lonely task because you feel like yeah. it kind of this is on you to deliver. And actually, it really leans into that team aspect. I mean, it's come from obviously software development teams and cross collaboration yeah. stuff like that as well, and it really forces you to lean into that piece.
1: Awesome. Um, and so you know. If, i've definitely over the years and spoken to a lot of talent leaders that have been really intrigued about doing this but maybe just haven't known where to start um are there any tips you know that you would give to you know talent leaders thinking about doing this about how they could start like how they could just you know
0: try out and, and see the benefits themselves yeah yeah i mean i think i think it's a as a as an individual leader i think it's well maybe this is my own my own reflection i think there's a there's a shift in mentality in terms of getting ahead of what the team needs in terms of these this is the backlog of work we need to do, to deliver from either from from a, probably from a project piece more than more than anything else i guess you should know the backlog of hiring you need to do so i think separating your mind and almost playing the role as a product manager for the team in terms of sort of setting the roadmap i think that's a, that's a good place to start i think also getting a good idea of the team's capacity so that you can actually be a little bit of a gatekeeper in terms of, right, this is a, this is the work that we're going to commit to over this period of time. But I think if you're going to take away one thing, it's probably that, that point of reflection for the team. So do the retro. So whether it's on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, just put in a time to actually chat through what's slowing us down, what's speeding us up, what are some of the problems we need to fix. There are so many templates you can use on Miro or, Online, there are so many great free guides of how to run a retrospective, but almost immediately you'll see things that you need to put into your roadmap because the team will tell you this is broken, this is slowing us down every single day. And the team will start to get much more comfortable in terms of giving you feedback once you start, once they start sharing feedback publicly in that type of setting. It, as long as you keep nurturing it and rewarding that behavior, it's, it becomes a really powerful thing. So if, if you're going to start anywhere, I'd say start with that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Miro then, but what what tech do you use? Do you use any
1: platforms or anything to manage this stuff? And I guess is it is it Miro? And did you always start there?
0: No, we back at Huddle we used uh, Trello. So in terms of breaking stuff down on the on the cards, um, but here at Muse, like Asana is life. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, we break all of our cards down in Asana and sort of visualise the not only the roadmap but kind of the commitments and stuff there. But Miro for me has been um, uh, a really uh, powerful tool. We've like in the last sort of six to eight months, we st- Ali has sort of driven our learning with things like the UX research team, the design team, like to really lean into like design thinking. Actually, Miro has become a really powerful tool to sit down, collaborate, share feedback in, not only in retros, but users and do research and stuff like that. So it's become the most prominent tool that we use as a, as a recruiting and a people team,
1: I guess though you know starting out Trello is pretty inexpensive, right? And easy yeah. to use. It's yeah f-
0: for a starting point. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's what I mean. At, at Huddle, they were they they didn't really like spending money on tools and products <laughs> and things like that. So that exact, that's exactly exactly why we went to it as a free tool. But really, I mean you could start with anything like a spreadsheet. Um, one of our teams kind of put their commitments in Slack. They just sort of drop it in there for the end of the week. So I think you can do it, and you don't really need a tool to kind of drive any of those behaviors at all yeah
1: and you know we've talked a lot about uh all the positive points and the impact it's made from your experience over the years now is there anything that is like a drawback from your perspective or a consideration that people should think about um that you've learned
0: you know obviously i think i said at the beginning i am not an expert or a, a purist on these things So i think you have to be very comfortable in in where you want to end up in that like that agile to to waterfall spectrum, because would, like Ali and I do butt heads occasionally because she is a purist, she wants to end up in this <laughs> kind of agile utopia, and sometimes, <laughs> in, and sometimes in my mind it's just like, well, that's just going to slow us down a little bit too much. That that is a that I don't see the effectiveness of that. So deciding what is right for you, and it could just be starting with retros. It could be right. We are going to be an agile utopia to make Ali happy. So, I think that's <laughs> going to be. I think the other piece, the kind of the other challenge is really educating people at the beginning. You do need to invest invest time in what you want to achieve. So we hope this will lead to a healthier team. We expect this will lead to more decision making at an IC level. But that does take time. It is quite uncomfortable for to to get busy recruiters to suddenly find an extra two or three hours every couple of weeks to actually sit down in these ceremonies. I mean, after three or four months, you're only using 10 or 15 minutes at that time because everyone's trained and they're just whipping through the the tasks really, really quickly. So there can be a an education piece and actually there needs to be some discipline for the team to kind of commit to that change. until uh, so let's see, until they see the output. And did you did you personally take any courses? Did, have you put your team in
1: any courses? Is there any that you recommend that people can take to kind of get familiar with this or like
0: if they want to learn about yeah we've had a few of the team that have taken the scrum master qualification and i think that's that's the uh that's probably the go-to because actually in terms yeah, yeah. of coordinating groups of people and f- making sort of small iterative improvements i think that's been a really powerful thing a lady called magda who's our ta ops manager who's a sort of a project manager by background and by training has actually embraced this since she's joined. She's just taken her scrum master qualification in, in is now sort of leading the charge on that agile piece. And yeah. I, I think that's probably the best one, but there's loads of, um, loads of great courses. If you are, if you're interested in that sort of prod, product management thinking and things like that, there's a few courses around that as well.
1: And it just got me thinking when you were saying that, is it important to have like one almost like scrum master leader of this at like one point of contact who's like pushing this agenda, um,
0: or can it be kind of a, is it everyone's responsibility?
1: Um,
0: we I think it's helpful to have a lifeguard or someone to kind of guide you through the steps. So yeah, um, whether that's so, I think in each environment we've had sort of a, an agile an agile expert internally. So we've lent into the tech team to say, right, this is what we want to do as a TA team. This is what we can do as a people. Right. What would what would be your advice? And they are our sounding board. So I don't necessarily think you need one person because actually in both environments, we sh- muse and huddle, we've actually shared the kind of the coordination, the scrum master duties within our teams to actually create, as I say, to create more autonomy and ownership and actually improve people's working practices. But I do think you need one person that is has more knowledge, can kind of challenge your thinking and actually see where, see where you're slipping into bad habits. Because I, I don't think naturally... I don't think naturally agile fits in with the recruiting part of our our role. It's really really hard to do that, and I've, we've tried it at Huddle and actually at Muse. We haven't incorporated our recruiting work into into the agile space. It's all been purely about the project work. Um, nice. So I think the actually having a sort of an agile expert there. Or, or say a scrum master to actually say, right, this is a way you potentially solve that problem or have you thought about doing this. Um, I think it's been really, really helpful for us. As your recruiting
1: works, not, and it's just project work only, do you just say, okay, everyone's got 20% of their time for project work and you manage it that way? And then it, how do you, how do you distinguish yeah. between?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because at Huddle we did do it with the recruiting, but it, it became it's, it's, what we found was it's really hard to make commitments around uh when stuff will close because humans are humans and yeah. um while you can break it down into small, small increments or i hope to get it to this stage by the end of that sprint it's 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 really really hard yeah how do you distinguish how do you
1: proportion portion kind of time for project
0: versus yeah. recruiting is that yeah it's it, it's hard because if you try and put a prescriptive rule into it it will just get i think for a busy recruiter, it will just get pushed to one side so what we try and do is in empower the team to say, right, project work is important for your development. There are passion projects that you all have, whether it's employer branding or DENI. And what we say is, here is our project backlog for the team. Put your name down on the projects that you want to be involved in. And if your capacity allows it, if you've if you're comfortable, then we encourage you to put like to get involved in that project, either as a leader or a contributor, or even just to be informed and be part of the sprint review. Because if I tried to tell some of my go-to-market recruiters this year, hey, you've got to find twenty percent project time, they probably would have told me to do, yeah. it, to, to do <laughs> yeah. one. Whereas actually, yeah. some of, some of our recruiters have been able to really lean into that work more than the twenty percent. Actually, some of their volumes have been have been slightly lower. So I think I think it's a great time. I think it's a I think the great tool in this is actually the team have visibility on what what, what work is coming up. So even if they haven't thought that much about right, I want to be a, an employer branding specialist or a DNI specialist. Actually, there's some really there's a really low barrier to entry for them to get involved in some of those projects and just start that start that uh, start that development on their side. When you first did this, or or
1: even now, are there particular kind of metrics you track to show how impactful you know, Agile is is um is being for your organization or other metrics that you've noticed have taken a you know, huge improvement since you've started using it yeah in
0: particular yeah i mean I, I think if i look at muse now if i go back 18 months our people team was 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 not in a great place our relationship with the business was really poor and we were seen as a very kind of transactional function and we've seen a radical difference in our in our engagement scores. So stress levels were previously very, very high. We didn't feel like we were being in innovative. Um, there was not great um team cohesion. And I'm just gonna read this off my notes now because so I get <laughs> but now um we feel that we can be really innovative, we feel that we're part of a team and we feel really accountable for results. So actually we've seen a massive improvement in our in our team engagement results, which might not solely be due to this, but actually I think it's been a, a contributing thing. Um the we also we also track the the output of work so we can track the number of things that have been completed in a sprint and actually we have started to see more consistency of delivery there which is which has been good but also if you th- i think if you look at the maybe the more anecdotal feedback if i look at some of my uh or some of the ic2s ic3s so junior to mid-level individual contributors within the team they're doing work that i don't think they would have even been close to doing sort of six, six to twelve, six to twelve months before that because um they've been given they've they've been break, we've been broken stuff down into smaller things, they've been given a great structure and a great environment to work on. Ali's done a phenomenal job in kind of coaching them directly in terms of how to how to how to deliver projects. So we've seen a massive improvement in that in massive massive acceleration in that, in that development piece. And the relationship with the business, I mean if you go back eighteen months or so we have a an all hands where anyone can ask a question at times it was it was quite a challenging environment because the people team was being behind the needs of the business but actually the volume of questions now is much more was is much reduced but it's much more positive in terms of where are we going now as opposed to when is this going to be delivered awesome well i think that if people were thinking
1: about agile they're probably convinced after this conversation that, uh or at least in you know the people who weren't are really intrigued i mean i'm thinking about it uh Myself, to be honest, after listening to this, it feels like it could be a really good solution to managing project work and capacity and, and all that kind of stuff. So super interesting. To, to finish up, James, one question i like to ask everyone is, you know, what are you most interested about regarding the future of TA? You know, lots of change happening in the moment.
0: What's what's sticking out to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the thing that I'm really excited about is like understanding what happens when that door shuts and the interview starts with the managers. So now we've got tool, tools like, so we use MetaView, actually getting the data from MetaView to actually see and watch back and see the the, the transcription of those interviews to actually correct uh, interview behavior at source for me is a really powerful thing because it allows you to be so much more consultative. I think Canada experience is becoming more and more prominent in terms of what candidate in in candidate expectations? So you can be you can be hugely powerful with that that data. So we're really leaning into that quite hard at the moment. And I think and I think in addition to that, people's expectation on what a TA team delivers, from purely hiring to actually influencing things like that, is changing. So I'm excited to I'm excited with those types of problems to solve. Really, they're really interesting.
1: Yeah, so interesting. And lots of people I've been hearing talk about MetaView, MetaView at the moment. They seem to be picking up real steam. So. Yeah, it seems I need to check that tool out. Um, well, James, thanks a lot for taking the time. Before we go, is there any way people anywhere people can find you online
0: or find uh, Muse? Yeah, well, obviously Muse has got a career site, so check that out. We're growing pretty. We've been growing pretty aggressively for the last couple of years, and that's going to carry on next year. Um, so that's Muse.com, dot uh, com. M E W S. Uh, and then, yeah, if you want to chat about this, um, as I say, I'm not an expert, but I can share some war stories uh, on LinkedIn. So James Mantle, M-A-N-T-L-E um, on LinkedIn. So, yeah, feel free to reach out and I'll help anywhere I can.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks,
0: James. Uh,
1: speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye.